Uh, I'm still invisible. I haven't looked. Okay. Not a huge deal. Um, what? (laughs) (laughs) What in the world is this? Oh, that's not what I thought that was going to do. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's like we're in the zoo somewhere in the bleachers of some sort of outdoor exposition. Yep. My bad. That's all right. That's at least entertaining. Yeah, I wanted to get a side-by-side on my screen, but that didn't work. Yeah, that's what I was trying to do, too, and I I couldn't find it easy, so I didn't even bother. I said, you know what? The important thing is I'm talking to you, and I think that's really uh, all we need. Yeah, yeah, I think that's going to have to be it. Welcome back to the Aviation RC New Podcast. You found us. My name is Joe. And I'm Matt. We're here to be with you along your journey and to share our experiences in RC Aviation. If you have any questions, thoughts, or want to share a flight story, hit us up at aviationrcnoob at gmail.com. Now, buckle in. Let's take off. And we're back. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 43. Uh, Matt's got an, a title here, E-L-R-S, the new kid in town. So reckon we'll figure out what's going on with that here in a little bit. But uh, Matt, how you been? I've been all right, man. Uh, generally been a pretty good, uh, pretty good set of weeks. Got a bunch of, I've definitely been able to focus on the hobby a yeah. little bit, just a little bit. Been nice. Well, good, good. Well, well, you? Uh, been, been all right, been all right. Been finishing out this month and uh, actually finished my month up today, so that's nice. Yeah, and just tomorrow, in time. Fi- yep, tomorrow fires it up again. Um, oh, yeah, funny how that works. Yeah, I know. But now I'm gonna have to write a monthly report from all the stuff that happened just a little bit ago. Mm hmm. Mm. Um, I think we've actually gotten snow twice since the yes, last time we were this- recording. This is like record, record stuff here in this area of the country. <laughs> it kind snowed of. a lot, like two inches. Uh, and then it got s- cold and sort of threatened to snow a bunch. Well, so it did snow down here. We got like, I think my house might have gotten an inch that hung around in the shady areas for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And then the following weekend... Um, so just a couple days ago, actually, mm-hmm. uh, I woke up one morning and looked out and saw there was snow on the ground. Like what? <laughs> right. Uh, and I think it was at this, uh, they think, think they're calling it a Nor'eastern, uh, that's hitting up Northeast, but right before it was up there, it, it was passing through down here, like the bottom edge of it. Yeah. And so we did catch a little bit. We got a little bit of snow overnight, but I mean, nothing really worth having fun in. Just <laughs> no, it, it dusting to to brighten the ground a bit. We um, even call it a dusting as much as a slosh. Uh, I guess. Uh, well, you know, look in, in the Fayetteville Heat Bowl, um, we didn't we didn't quite get any. <laughs> <laughs> so it must have went over us. But we yeah. did get that first group, and then and then starting to do much the same uh, this coming weekend. So. Yeah, yeah which yeah. sounds like you might be down this weekend. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping I can do that. I, I think we can. Uh, I think it's really going to depend on the timing of a basketball game. I still don't know anything about. 
<laughs> uh, coach had a schedule, and we missed the first week when he handed all that stuff out. I guess. And mm-hmm. anyway, so we and we haven't been able to catch an actual game yet. Um, so I'm suspecting. Usually they're early in the morning on a Saturday, and in which case that'll I'll give us time to get there by around noon, which is enough time to fly a couple planes together. Right. Uh, have a good time. Grab something to eat. Enjoy yourselves with a maybe a tabletop game of some sort, mm-hmm. uh, and then the boys and I will head out and head back. And I then think the, I think specifically we're looking at uh, flying these planes we've been building the last yes. well for this past month. Yeah. Yep. Now, mine is. Uh, I think it, I, did I mention? I'm trying to think of what what did I do <clears throat> last time? Um, I built the jab. I already had the javelin kind of built. I call, I call it the Sky Javelin now. It's a modeled after the Sky Terror Mark One. If you look it up, also put in RC airplane. Otherwise, we'll get a lot of weird stuff. Um, even if you can't put in knife edge, that's the real flight thing. It's uh, something that uh, Lego Man uh, had designed. And so I built this other foam board version of it a while back. And I said, okay, well, let me, you know, let me make it a prop version. And I did. And uh, I'm wondering if it might be either I don't have an aggressive enough prop, which could be quite possible, Um, uh, in which case maybe I need to camber the outside of the wings like uh, flight test tends to do, giving it so it doesn't – because I'm wondering if some of that wobble is like it's trying to tip stall. You know, I don't either – I either don't have it going fast enough. In which case, the wings are at the edge of stalling, and the edges are doing it first. Uh, so if I put them cambered, that'll keep the, the tips, you know, even and flying. And that should even out the handling of the plane, I think. So but, what Matt's talking about is he showed me a video before we got recording. Uh, like five seconds? Yeah, of the javelin of him flying it. And yeah, it was very, like, tippy side to side, almost like you were... Uh, yanking side to side on the controls, trying to trying to get it under control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And some of that, I think, had to do with maybe too large a throw uh, for what it needed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to give it another shot with even smaller throws. Uh, with anything like that might do it, in which case I'm going to enjoy flying it at that point. But um, Well, it looked like it came down on the wing. Like I couldn't really see the, the footage cut out, but it looked mm-hmm. like it was a wing impact, how... Uh, yeah, it got a little bit of a crease, so uh, I've got to do a little bit of surgery and put a bamboo skewer in there just to make me happy that it's not going to adversely, it'll keep the wing in line. Right. Um, and we've got tape on the bottom, so that's not a big deal. It's just making sure it doesn't kind of put some wonky aerodynamics in it. Mm -hmm. But generally it held up well. I mean, it landed, I'll call it rough. Although I was able to, like, there's enough control in there where I was able to kind of level it out on almost every single one of those flights. Right. So, um, yeah. Uh, so basically when I was done, though, the, the nose had a pretty solid impact. It hit the wing, then hit the nose. <clears throat> the nose crinkled a little bit. Um, so I, I repaired that. And I've got to check the motor, make sure there's not some sort of wobble in it now. I might have to re-glue the, the motor mount back on and... Now, here's a question, because most planes that I've built and flown so far, largely the the power pod sits a bit bad, but I've had power pod uh, 
crunch go on before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never really cared. I just, all right, I'll, I'll chuck it up there and let her fly. But once that, <laughs> once the edges or the sides of power pods start crunching, like the firewall gets pushed back, uh, and you get some, some buckling mm-hmm. in the, in the, the power pod, that's going to throw in some, uh, thrust angling. Yeah. Yeah, um, unintended thrust angling. <laughs> yeah, so like, yeah, it's, aside, it's the the thrust on the motor is going to go a direction you don't want it to go. It's going to cause a a tendency that's not good for the plane, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. So I mean, and I, I only just really thought about it. like I guess it's yeah. something I've thought about when I picked a plane up. Like, oh yeah, I boogered the power pod, but <laughs> you just chuck it up in the air and you fight it anyway. Yeah, um, no, I think. For the most part, like with with the power pod, uh, usually when you kind of crunch it, you also kind of create a slot inadvertently where the the barbecue screw holds it in, and that still keeps it lined up for the most part. So the the angle change isn't huge. Uh, When you have a nose, and it's just like glued to the nose, if that nose isn't straight, you're kind of you kind of in trouble. Like I'm gonna have with the seven if I ever nose it in. Possibly, although I've got a conversion for you. So I know you do, but at least to start yeah. out with, I want to fly it as intended. I think you'd be all right. And even like if it does and it kind of gets a little off, you you can cut the back of that to create a hole and then you put the power pod in there. That power pod will be the straight piece. Mm-hmm. Whether or not the cowl is, it could, the cowl could be off and it'll still give you weird uh, tendencies, but um, not as much as if the thrust angle's off. Okay. So, anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. So we did. So I did that. I was able to take that and I, I, I colored it up. So with some packing tape, colored packing tape to make it look kind of like I wanted to. It's got the Aviation RC Noob colors: blue, orange, and white, with a little nice. bit of black. So it's just the way I wanted. Um, it also happens to match the model in Real Flight pretty well. So if you take a look in Real Flight, was it seven five eight, and whatever you'll. You'll find it. Just take a look for it. It's it's an awesome plane to fly, which is why I designed it in the first place. Why I said I want to make one of those out of foam. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think last time I indicated that the reason what it, what it sold me. When you look at the the remarks on the plane itself, it's it's designed for true jet engines and thrust vectoring, which would basically take the one thousand three hundred degree exhaust and shove it onto the ground until the plane got in the air. So it says, you know, look when you're ready to take off, don't don't you know. Don't turn it downward <laughs> until you're ready to give it throttle and get in the air. You don't want that pushing against tarmac. It it will melt it, and mm-hmm. it will set fire to the grass. So, yeah, be don't don't uh, land or or stay idling on the ground for long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> and then I read. Then it's when I read it was like, oh my god, those are real, you know, RC jet engines. That's mm-hmm. no joke. So. Okay. Yeah, so it sold me. It had me a hello. Um, so and and then I did. And so I went out to the field. And I, I gave it a handful of tosses. I think I had it right about the edge of the center of gravity. It was really, it was kind of like it was wobbling on a teeter totter, pretty like back and forth. So it was pretty hard to control. And I think I also had my throws way too high. Um, I know we talked about it, but I didn't listen to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Bring your throws real low when you start. Anyway, yeah. So I did that. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I got the 
um, that I t- mentioned I had had the quad that I was looking to get together, but I'd, I'd actually gotten it together and went outside and I flew it some. I've got about uh, 10 or 15, a couple batteries on it, which was nice. Uh, zip around the yard and go around the house. And it's a, it's a good quad, a lot of fun. It's the Tiny Hawk 2 freestyle. Okay. And of course, you know, just as I get it together, what happens? There's a there's a third. It's better. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so it's, uh, the quad market is very fast-paced. So just as you kind of get familiar and working with the one you like, the the whatever, the let's say, you know, it's a Tiny Hawk 2. You're like, oh, this one's awesome. And then they're like, okay, now that you just finished getting used to this one, we got a third. It's amazing. Yeah, well, see... I don't know. It, I, it's tough keeping up with the Joneses. You really kind of got to go, look, this is what I want. Let me find something I like and leave it there. Uh, yeah. Like not, not hobby related, I guess, but also is cause I, I use it for hobby as well. But like I gave up one. I've never, I'm talking about my computer. I've never had like the top, uh, the, the best. You're not a it's, millionaire. It's been good. Yeah, but even even when I built my computer, uh, twelve eleven years ago, mm-hmm. roughly eleven years ago was when I built this computer, still running on it. That said, yeah. is it technically the same computer? Well, it's the same case, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, since then, I mean, when <laughs> there's I built been some it, upgrades. Yeah, I mean, when I built it, it was the motherboard, the processor, the graphics. Like I, I bought mm-hmm. decent stuff, and then. It was like that for four years before I did any upgrade. Okay. And then, you know, nice thing about a desktop is I can swap pieces out. And so it was, Yeah. I, mean, I went a long time before I started really upgrading pieces. And now I think there's a hard drive that's not working anymore that was original to this computer. Okay. It's all the case, right. but I still deem it the same computer. But I, it's just... But yeah, that whole that industry has that same keeping up with the Joneses. Just when you get it installed, they're like, "We've got a brand new one. It's way better. You should oh, have bought yeah. this one." And you're like, "Dude, guys, could you give me a second to even see if this is worth what I wanted the first time?" <laughs> Holy cow! Um, yep. It's just yep. fast paced. Um, so you kind of some people can keep up with it. Most people can't. Um, and I you think know the, what? Get get what you get what you want. Get what you like. Yeah. And Enjoy it, and, yep. and don't worry about trying to get the ne- like the next version. Oh my god! Like, yeah. enjoy what you got, because yeah. I probably you buy something brand new, and, and maybe other things are different. But I can tell you, like with my computer parts, one of the reasons I never tried to stay up mm. was I buy the stuff, I install it, I use it. Something new comes out, I can't just offload this computer part for like. 90 percent 80 percent of what i yeah. paid for just yeah. spend a little bit more and get the newest um no chump change you know right and and it's uh yeah it's so it's tough um you i guess uh my advice and it's take the advice with the nickel it's worth um the penny it's worth it's probably a penny actually maybe less than that <laughs> honestly it's awful but as as somebody's been looking like oh i want to get this quad i want to get by the time i get a quad up and running they, they're like two versions ahead and i think what I I've learned by being, I guess, so slow is find the thing that will say, okay, if they're doing this, I want to upgrade at that point. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, if there's a way to improve the FPV system, like dramatically improve it. So I mm-hmm. can see clearly 
to the edge of its range, you know, kind of deal. Like I'm in, like, I'll buy a whole new set. I, I'll buy a whole new set of God, like what, whatever it takes. Like, and it's like, at what point is it worth it? Now, oftentimes you can spend like half uh, 500 bucks or something on the whole setup. It's like, Whoa, that's a lot. Um, but the HD systems are a thousand. Yeah. So everybody says, once you do that though, you will not be able to go back and see <laughs> the world the same way. It's, uh, because of the clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, I mean, we're not here to talk about the FPV systems today. Um, we did talk a little bit about them before. Um, Joe and I are not rich enough to have the HD systems. They just, uh, they just cost an arm and a leg. Yeah. And I'd rather use those arms and legs to buy airplanes, <laughs> gobs and gobs of airplanes. <laughs> or gobs and gobs of foam board to build gobs yeah, and gobs man. of airplanes. Yeah, that's it. Even more so. Yeah. Tenfold on that, right? So anyway, so that being said, um, we are going to like touch a little bit on quadcopters for a minute because, uh, but, but what we're going to talk about uh, stems from probably the, a lot of the innovation in RC uh, and the RC aircraft hobby has been pushed forward by the quadcopter um, and it's in innovation and it's the, the racing industry as well as some of the other features where it's great for, you know, there are people saying, hey, I'm going to make a million-dollar movie. I will, I will pay you $100,000 to to get that rig, to get that shot. I cannot get any other way. Mm-hmm. And then somebody says, wait, what? <laughs> uh, all of a sudden, this is a viable industry. Like, this becomes an actual uh, a tool that is worth paying money for and investing in and learning and and and, and investing in the tech. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's worth pushing the boundaries in the race because it usually yields better results overall for all of the other things that quadcopters do as an industry. And I'm you know I'm only touching on uh, cinematography because it's usually the forefront, especially when you're watching YouTube. You know, like all the people love to make videos. Well, they're going to make videos if they're making videos about you know making a video, yeah. <laughs> making a movie. You know, um, but yeah, I mean the agricultural. And uh, what am I when buying and selling houses? What that's called? Real, realty. There we go. No, real estate. <laughs> yeah, real estate uh, and realty. Those those are like those are industries that are very common. Inspections. Yeah, I mean they're they're also coming into play in surveying, mm-hmm. um, surveying and just aerial photography of of uh, locations where work is going to go on. Um, as, manufacturing as well as, plants, you know, they're yeah. getting up there and getting pictures of their, their land yeah. and their area to kind of see what they got. Yeah. Yeah. And also if you've got tall structures, you can bring those right up against the structure and take some pretty dang good video, uh, uh, photos and videos. Um, on top of that, you can also do search and rescue. And uh, maybe we might touch them on that. I think they're care. I'm going to butcher the name. I, I, maybe I shouldn't even say it, but it's like the care bears or something like that. It's a, it's a group of volunteers who takes our quads and uses them to help assist in searches for lost people. Hmm. You know, if, uh, you know, forest ranger says, Hey, we lost a guy. They went that way. We, we we're going that way, but we need to cover other, you know, and they'll, they'll send, you know, uh, like five guys or four guys who volunteer, like, yeah, I'll bring my quad out and they'll just go and they'll survey the, the countryside and just, you know, follow likely paths and see if they can find them. You got me wanting to get a quad now. I know, right? Well, yeah, it, it comes with a blessing and a curse. Like, it's hard to learn. 
it's really exciting. It's a lot of fun. And for whatever reason, I want to learn the hard way. So I'm going to, I'm going through a lot of quads, but it's okay. You got the acrobatic mode turned on. Yeah. But, well, the, the last time I didn't because I'm getting the feel for how to fly again. But when the acro, acro mode's on, oh, baby, watch out. Mm-hmm. I want to shoot that gap. I want to shoot the gap. Whack. Right in the side of something. It does oh. not return to center. No, it doesn't. Nope. It just keeps going. It's awesome. <laughs> um, you know, and it's worth going and doing as much simming as you can. Uh, and I, I know we're going to talk about more of it. We're going to get into more details than that in other episodes. Uh, but this one, um, we're going to talk about the uh, Express oh, wait. LRS. Wait. What? Don't I get to go? Oh, I thought I haven't even talked about. I guess I did. Did I talk about all the things I did? Let's see. Scan javelin. Um, putting in the parentheses. Oh, I scaled up the quickie. The little quickie that I made uh, after the the Nisgotas episode. Uh huh. I made a bigger version, so I might be able to submit that for the thing. But it's going to be my first build in the Buildory contest. Okay. Or the Buildory challenge. So well, I'm going to build off that tomorrow. Yeah, it starts tonight at midnight. Let's not waste any time, Joe. You can't waste any time. We still got an hour and a half. Don't worry. I know. That's what I'm saying. But but once it midnight hits, no time to waste. Anyway. Okay. I got you. <laughs> well, so that's gonna be one of the ones I'm gonna build. Um, and if I can build that, finish it, and see if, you know, chuck it, see if it flies, uh, I'll probably make that as a submission as well. Mm-hmm. Along with the Prandult and the Sky Javelin. So um, oh, and the uh, Marabou. Um, we, I finished putting the skeleton together, and I've been looking at skins, uh, doubling up those inner formers uh-huh. um, made all the difference. It is now a very solid uh, connection. It's a very solid plane, um, and I basically have, like, clips that kind of hold those center formers in to each other, okay. and they're on pins, so they don't rotate or they, so they set normal. And then the uh, struts keep the wing at the 10 degree dihedral. Okay. Uh, and keep it, and it's solid. Like the, it's not going anywhere. Um, so I'm really pleased with how that all turned out. The problem is, is that was going to be my first or second builder build. I had it all cut out and ready to go. And I went ahead and started building. <laughs> yeah. Kind of <laughs> well, DQ'd yourself on that one. Yeah, I did. Uh, but that's okay. I don't mind. I'm I'm excited about it. And then I decided uh, what I'm going to do with the skins. I was looking at a bunch of different things. I was thinking about uh, getting monocoat and just doing that. Uh, I was thinking about doing uh, Doculam, which I might. But I think my first attempt is going to be I'm going to take the, the vegetable bags from the grocery store. It was super thin. Yeah, okay. I'm going to cut off the bottom so it's just a, a ring. And I'm going to slice off the, the lettering so it's clear. And I'm going to put that on there with some, so I saw some guy who's, who did an ultralight like uh, FT Scout or FT Spitfire size build that was 100 grams because it was no paper, just a little bit of carbon fiber, and all of the interior panels, anything that wasn't like a structural support piece, he basically cut out and he put this thin film, similar film to those vegetable bags. Okay. And he basically, you know, you know, uh, heated them so they're taut. And all he did was like Super 77 and those bags on the bare foam. And his, his it was incredibly light. So I'm going to try that. And if that works, um, I'm going to put, I'm going to put, before I do that, I'm going to put uh, LEDs in the wing, down each wing and down the fuse mm-hmm. so I can light it up. 
and I'll put the bag on and then we'll see where it goes. Hopefully we'll get that done. Okay. But yeah, no, I want to see, what do you, I know you've been busy. You've been doing some things. Uh, I've been doing a couple things. Uh, I'm trying to remember where I left off with the new Catross last time. You had the wing and you were talking about the fuse. I think you had designed it, but you hadn't put it together. I only had a wing. I think, I, I don't know if you had, did you have both? Oh, that's right. After the last episode, I went out there and I was cutting the fuse out. Yeah. So I don't and know if I you had two, it, both the I wings at the, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You were trying to finish that up before we started the show and you're like, oh, darn it. I cut it wrong. I'll do it. I'll do it later. Um, but I can't remember if you had both wings done. I think you did. Yeah. I had both wings done. Uh, I now have the fuselage cut out and glued three parts of the way there. And by that, I mean, it's three of the B folds and it's got one more mm -hmm. to finish closing it up. And then I got to mm -hmm. glue the nose in and glue the trailing tail. Right. Um, so basically, pronounce. yeah, one, one wing has been mounted in. Um, and of course it's removable. Uh, I need to figure, basically I need to cut the hole in the other side of the fuse so that that wing can mount in and that'll have both wings mountable. And after that, it'll be, uh, it'll be gluing up the tail section, uh, making a horizontal and vertical stab for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I've got the elevator and rudder and then figuring out how I want to mount the motor. Um, which honestly at this point might just be me grabbing a firewall and, mm. you know, gluing it to some foam. <laughs> Uh, that's what the javelin, that's what I did with the javelin. I literally glued it and I taped it. Yeah. You know, and that's, um, and that's all it needed. Yeah. I think the Mark one version of this is just going to be, cause we're kind of coming yeah. up on the end. I know you're going to be coming <laughs> down. It's just going to be like, all right, let's, let's just slap the rest <laughs> of this together. And then right. I can, I can, you know, fix it in version two. So yeah, exactly. Um, there's that. Uh, and that's, I mean, that, that's not tons of progress, but it's a little bit of progress. Um, well, it's starting to look like a plane now. Uh, it's got wings. It's a thing that has wings. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so you kept talking about it being like, oh, I kept mentioning it was like a flattened, flattened frog. Uh, now that the fuse has been kind of like meshed with the wings, how does it look? Does it look weird still or does it look Oh, better? yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> you have, I thought I was trying to show you that night. I don't think you ever looked over to see it. No. Uh, three-part done so okay I'll, I'll see if i take some more pictures and put them up um yeah, yeah. so it's good there was that um i returned uh other activities i returned to the garage um but the garage is cleaner than it's been in several years uh so my wife can park her car in there again and i don't have to uh drag stuff into her into her bay just to do some work so anytime I wanted to plane build, I was kind of backing her car out and yeah. folding, you know, unfolding a table and setting it up. Yep. Uh, so it's, it's clean to a, it's pretty well clean and I can fold a table out in my side of the garage and do some work, which has made her happy. I but bet. it's also not just stuff shoved up against the walls. It's largely organized. I got some more work to do, but it's, uh, it's getting there. Okay. It's getting there. And then, uh, sort of as housekeeping thing, um, I didn't intend to implement it so quickly, uh, but 
and I know you'll talk about this in a minute, but uh, during our build party uh, this past mm-hmm. couple nights ago, um, I went ahead and was testing and pulled the trigger on updating the server permissions on our Discord server. Yes. Uh, so now if you <laughs> join the Discord server, uh, you're going to only see one thing. It's going to be the rules channel. Mm-hmm. You read and agree to the rules, and then you hit the thumbs up to agree to them, and it opens up the rest of the server. It's like the little um, emoji that's underneath the statement. When you click yeah, on that, yeah. it registers that you've now read those rules mm-hmm. and, and understand and, and abide by them. Yep. And then actually, um, there's another channel called Role Selection that you can go into mm-hmm. to react to other roles, like uh, if you're you know listener, people who come in and join the server and our listeners can click that so they can be part of that group uh sim partier and build partier and those are mm-hmm. roles so that like if we're planning a build party we can add build partiers and it it goes out to those who have in the discord who have You've identified s- that's the jam yeah who have clicked that basically it assigns on these various roles right and that way so. we're not harassing everybody every time we're doing something right um <laughs> not that we do a ton but it, what we want to do is, like, if you're a simmer and you say, hey, I want to do a streamer battle with people. Hey, simmers, uh, who wants to jump in the chat room with me? Um, mm-hmm. I want that to go out to the people who are interested in hearing about it. I don't want it to go to the the builders and just the people who want to listen and chat about planes. Like, you know, if you're not interested in simming, like, you shouldn't be bothered with it. Yeah. So it's uh, it's just some, you know, under the hood stuff. but. That was that was nice to have pulled off almost seamlessly. There was there was one little wrinkle in that execution uh that I noticed after the fact and got it corrected. Uh Joe, I think you deserve a golf clap for that. Thank you. Oh well thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> uh like I said, it's well, you did a good job. Yeah, it's it's no big deal other than, you know, it's sort of some quality of life for us in the in the uh uh the the server. So, and yeah, nice we want it to be a welcome was, place for anybody who wants to do this with us. Right. And it kind of sets, it just sets forward the ground rules and the expectations. And, mm-hmm. you know, our community was, was great. Not everybody that's in the community has gone through that process. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of people that only pop in on the rarity. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of, a lot of our guys have already, you know, clicked to accept rules and nothing was said. They just like, oh, okay. You know, they're they're formalizing some stuff and nothing you know there was no big interruption it just went so that was nice it was mm-hmm. nice to see our we got a real accommodating community yeah and very good very good stuff um hey if if they feel like that's a pile of poo and they would like to tell us about it where should they do that <laughs> should they send an email to aviation rc noob at gmail.com uh, no, they should send an email to Matthew at aviationrcnoob.com. <laughs> I think they should send it to Joe at aviationrcnoob.com. He's an implementer. Okay. <laughs> no, ultimately, seriously, if you if there's something uh, you, you you think is a good idea that we might all benefit from as a community, uh, reach out to us, let us know. Um, you know, we, we, we want to make this a better community for everybody. Yep. Cool. Thanks, um, Joe. So the housekeeping, uh, we got what two weeks left on this build off. Yep, the hangar, the 2022 inaugural hangar RC build off challenge uh, is two weeks out from being done. We are now recording this on the 31st. You'll hear it uh, 
couple days later, so you'll have even less time when you hear this. Um, and you may have missed it even, but we hope you didn't. Uh, they can, you can, uh, if you want to hear about the rules, you think you can slide a design in under the bill, you can go to thehangerrc.com slash buildoff. Uh, and if you have a submission, you make the submissions to buildoff at thehangerrc.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's basically Valentine's Day is the final day for submissions. Okay. Yeah. And we, uh, like to say thank you, uh, to all of the guys who won the mugs. Uh, they sent us a handful of pictures of them enjoying their favorite tasty beverage inside the, the mug that they just received that they just won from the contest. Uh, yeah, that so, was nice. To, that was fun to see those come in. Yeah, that was really cool. So uh, they've been through the Discord. I'm going to make a post in Facebook, uh, kind of putting them all together. And uh, once again, congratulations to you guys who did. Um, we're considering about putting that. Uh, and once we get a store together, we'll we'll have something available um, at that point. So be on the lookout anywhere between, uh, you know, soon and way later. <laughs> <laughs> Some Somewhere between here and a galaxy far, far away. Right. But Joe and I are at least, uh, it's on our, on our brains and, uh, it's something we look at on occasion. Mm-hmm. So, um, as a little side news, nothing crazy big, but a little something, uh, rcdepron.com. Um, if you remember a while back, uh, what, what episode was that? I think it was like 23 or so. Oh, uh, I couldn't tell you. We tra- talked to Mr. Thanos, who runs that. And he, Mr. Depron, or Depron King, however he wants to be known as, uh, he now offers 9 millimeter thick Depron. So that's about like uh, 50% thicker of a foam board sheet than a traditional uh, foam board sheet. Now, is that sort of a big deal? Um, well, I mean, it's thicker. It means you can build bigger planes. Um, you could build bigger builds. So when you want to make a monster build, you're not having to do it with really thin, um, you, you can actually build the structure with something that can hold it. Mm -hmm. Um, and you may have to use less, uh, reinforcing. So, um, I I don't know. It just opens up some avenues of like, Hmm, this wing is a little bit too floppy or, you know, I wish I had a little bit thicker material to adhere this to. Right. Um, there's another option. It's just, you know, it's just a little something to use. And he offers it, and not just in the big full size, which is like uh, four foot by, I'm grossly rounding here, four foot by two foot. Um, but he offers it in the smaller, you know, 30 inch by by 24 inch uh, size for a reasonable price. Like I think six sheets for 40 bucks. In the, and I say it's reasonable in that, um, it ships to your door at a pretty reasonable price for you to just try. If you love it, you can buy a bigger bulk amount. He certainly has it. He's got a couple pictures of it littering his, oh, his yard. I've never <laughs> seen so many boxes of Debron, but it was his entire yard. Yeah, I mean entire yard. But you know, well, he is, said when he orders it, he's got to order like a, a crate, a container of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so where is it going to go? Uh, anyway, so he, he does his best for that, but I just want to look, if you're, if you're a Depron fan or you're still interested, um, know that there's an additional offering. I know some people are always like, well, I don't know about Depron because it's a little flimsier maybe it's not, but it doesn't have the paper backing. So you, you need other ways to reinforce it. The nine millimeter might be something that kind of might, uh, wet your whistle to give it a try. So, uh, I wanted to bring that up. 
Um, and I know the Hangar RC has got some things in the works. Uh, he has uh, picked up something that should help him. Oh, yeah. Uh, cut out. So he's going to have basically his skins pre-cut, I think, is what can, he's can aiming for. Can we say for. that? Well, I don't know. That's what he's aiming for. No, can we say that? I don't know. Uh, he's mentioned it on his show. I thought he, that, I know, that he's aiming he, for it. I know he mentioned it on RC After Hours. Okay. That that's what he's aiming to do. And I know on our build night, he showed up and... It was showed exactly what he was. Yeah. Yeah. So he he bought basically like a larger scale, I'll call it cricket, uh, because everybody seems to know what a cricket is, a little cutter. So uh, he's got a larger scale one. So he's going to see what he can do with that and make his, you know, what he does make it even easier to do. Okay. So I'm looking forward to see what comes comes of that. So be on the lookout for it. I'd say between now and uh, Friday when I'm doing the final editing on this. <laughs> should probably reach out to Sam and make sure he's fine with us saying that, even though he's already mentioned it. Yes, just double check that he is. I, yeah. I don't think he'll have a problem, but you're right. It's worth it. So if you hear this, Sam said it was okay. If you <laughs> don't hear this, you won't oh, you're going to hear it in the first place. If you don't hear this, it's going to be us talking, a small gap. And if you don't hear this, Sam Platt said it's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> Redacted. redacted. Moving on. Yeah, I think I will, we'll have a recording at the end. We'll just stop and say redacted. <laughs> um. So I think the last really of the the house building stuff is you did a build party a couple nights ago, sort of oh, last yeah. second. Oh my god! I want to apologize to everybody, including you, Joe, who picked up the slack, and I appreciate it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I turned into the uh, sleepy old man who sat down on the couch for five minutes and fell asleep. Uh, well, I, first off you announced his bill party, like the day before, like the Yeah. The, the, like the night before slash morning of, like I said, build night tonight, let's do it. Let's have a great time. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, this is gonna be great. And I, you know, I knew I had time and I knew I was going to sit down and build for sure. There's a bunch of other people who were like all kind of chatting, like, Oh, I can't wait to build this, this or that, you know, mm-hmm. like this, this should be good. And it was coming close to the end of January. I wanted to have one in January, even though it was impromptu. Um, <clears throat> and I'm like, cool. I'm a little tired. I, you know, ate dinner or something and I was kind of getting a little sleep. I'm like, I'm going to take a 15 minute nap and I'm going to feel like the world is taking me by storm and I can, I can finish up the night with the build party. It'd be a great time. And I went, <laughs> I went and took a nap <laughs> and a Rip Van Winkle said, it was time to sleep, baby. <laughs> Yeah. And and I get a call from Joe, uh, a little text or call saying, Hey Matt, uh, isn't that your build party <laughs> that I'm hanging in? Didn't you call this thing? I'm like, Oh heck. <laughs> and I woke I was, up and I realized what time it was. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I was still on the drive home from, uh, having been out of town, but I popped in just to hang, even though discord on my phone is terrible. I was just hanging mm-hmm. with the guys and listening, but yeah. yeah, I called you and you were, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awful. So I apologize to everybody who came to the build night. Uh, it was a great time. Yeah. I had a blast and I built a, you know, I finished up the Marabou, that, that reinforcement they're talking about. Um, and I, what, what else was I working on? I was working on the Javelin a little bit and I was working on something else. I was cutting out, I was cutting out the quickie. So it's ready for build night. Okay. Build I, ready for build jewelry. Uh, and I was intending to cut out the wasp. 
uh, so that I could put the skins on it and get it built. And as a second thing in Builderary. Okay. Um, so anyway, uh, so those were on my, my agendas and because I slept through an hour and a half of it or an hour of it, um, I didn't quite get to the, the wasp exactly. But, <laughs> uh, I ended up staying up and chatting with a bunch of people for a while. It, it was a, it was a good night. What do you think? Joe? Yeah, it, it was good. We had a couple new faces. Yeah. Um, which was so really nice. And Jesse got on and joined us and actually built something. I know he built something. It was exciting. So he's been printing. He's been, he's been doing what I've been looking at doing. He's uh, been 3D printing using lightweight PLA, an Eclipsin model, that one with the 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 wing kind of like a jet, and then it has return wings to go to the tail, effectively. Okay. Uh, it looks like a like a V and then a reverse V. Okay. Like a box. I don't know. I want to call it a box I, wing, no but it's not idea. a box wing. Yeah, no idea. I don't know. I don't know what the name of it is, but it's one of those really, it's really cool looking. Um, and so he's been putting that together. And so he was talking to the people who were interested in talking about it. Uh, we were asking some questions about the printing and about putting it together. And, and I, what I was amazed with was he was printing with, uh, what's the PETG, the stuff you make the, the water bottles from, right? Okay. Um, he, he printed this canopy with that and he just, and it's a double layer canopy. Like there's an inner and an outer layer. It's not solid and it's not a single shell. Um, but it was incredibly see-through for what it was. Like it was still like almost as if you were in, you know, with the bathrooms with the warbly tile, so you can't really see anything. Uh-huh. So it was like that. Um, and he said, yeah, if we could, if there's a way to kind of put a smooth layer on top, this would be like crystal clear. And then I was talking about like, well, what if you put epoxy on it? Or what if you put, I've got this stuff called XTC 3D, which is the stuff I, I clear coated the submarine with. inside and out and when it's done it's like a glass smooth finish and i was like that might do it man and he said oh i'm gonna have to try that out (laughs) nice so it was cool it it was cool to really hang with so many people uh we saw it was at uh devon apis was there and he hadn't Mm -hmm. we hadn't seen him at a build night in a while but he likes to come out to him and i love seeing him um richard was enjoying his mug with us uh, as well as i think with tony tony came out there's Although a bunch I think I missed Tony. Yeah, yeah I no, think he did. No, no, Tony, Tony showed up later. He did, yeah, so you saw him. Somebody was there earlier that I missed out on. I I was sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, you were. Oh, I'm so sorry. All right, anyway, enough um, of that. But I, I want to thank everybody who came out and joined us uh, and joined each other, more or less. Uh, and we just had a good time. We built. It was awesome. Um, so in Bilgeary, as in next month, uh, I'm going to try to do a Bilgeary build night every weekend because, yeah, or at least during that week at some point, I'll make an announcement that maybe the day before I'm going to be building a lot. So if you've got a plane, bring it to the table with me and keep me company as I go insane building four planes in four weeks. Um, one of those will be an Aviation RC New podcast build night thing that we announce ahead of time and, you know, do it like we like to do it. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm not sure if we should do that earlier than later so we can accommodate last minute build off. Um, I don't contestants or should we just do it at the end? And everybody, if you, if you did the build off contest, share what you share, what you did. Yeah. I feel like given, uh, given <laughs> when this is going to go out and such, it's probably best that we 
Do it later. For later in February. Okay. Yeah. Keep keep your eyes out on the Facebook page and okay. in Discord. Yep. Uh, for announcements about a February build night. I have my Scout STEM night is the nineteenth of the uh, 19th of February. So I could do it the eighteenth. Uh, that wouldn't be bad. I'd probably mm. be cutting out all the stuff I'm going to bring to STEM the next day. So okay. yeah. Well, well, we'll figure out a date. We'll get it out there. All right. Sounds good. All right. Now, Joe, I tasked you last week. I put you under the gun to come up with a plane to give us a history about. You did such a great job last time. I was like, dude, I want to hear more. <laughs> well, we'll see how it goes. My notes are like five lines long on this plane. So, well, that must mean that you know this plane inside and out. Uh, all right. Well, give us what you got. Okay. So, let it, me. It's a mystery plane, by the way, to me. Yeah. I hadn't told Matt what it is. Um, so Matt, don't go do any Googling. Oh, um, but I want to paint a scene. If you happen to know this, I didn't know anything about this plane. All right. Um, so early, early, if it's today, a balloon, I'm going to be disappointed. No, 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 it's not. Okay. A balloon. All right. Uh, it, it flew, it has motors. There was forward motion that keeps it in the air. It, it is an airplane. Okay. Um, so while I was driving, while I was on the road today, I was like, man, I just, I don't know what to do, uh, what to talk about for the plane. And so while I was mm-hmm. sitting at a red light, I quickly hit YouTube. It was like, you know, I, I just searched for some planes or some ideas. I found a video. I was like, you know, so many planes, top list, this, that. Right. And so I started listening to it while I was driving down the road and one struck me. Uh, I did a little research on it. And so here we go. Let All me right. paint. They paint a scene for you, and if you happen to to know what it is, just okay. go ahead and call it out at some point. This is where we insert the chimes of imagination. <laughs> <laughs> it is World War II. Uh, naval mines have been in, in use. Ooh. Okay. Uh, mines at in the early war <clears throat> were your typical contact mines where they, they littered the water, boats ran into them, boom, set them off. Okay, mines, not as in mind, as in M-I-N-D, but mine, M-I-N-E, they blow up. Got it. Right. Explosive mines in the Thank water. You. Okay. Okay, now it's a more and, treacherous image. Right. And again, originally they were contact mines. Boats, yeah. uh, boats went into them, hit them, set them off, big explosions, destroy ships, like, Think of no yeah, yeah, but but then they were also using them for anti-submarines, mm-hmm. uh, anti-submarine uh, operations, and so I think most of your mines got put out in entrances to passages or bays, mm-hmm. mine all that, or uh, common routes or routes that they thought ships are going to be taking. So you've got all these mines, but. Uh, then the Germans come up with a different type of mine, one that could be put beneath the surface surface of the water a good ways down. Mm-hmm. Uh, how far, I'm not exactly sure, but a little ways below the surface. Okay. And did not require contact with a boat to go off. Oh, it was the pressure wave of the boat going over top that would set it off, yes? It was the boat's magnetic field Whoa. that would set it off. What? 
The, magne- the ma- magnetic aura of the boat would set off the mines. All right. Specifically, okay. as I understand, and I don't know a whole lot about these mines, it had to do with how the how the boats uh cut the vertical magnetic field of the earth's magnetic field it was how the, it, when the boat it would displace through, it sort of yeah it it alters it it, it cuts it um and and i say cut specifically because that's how magnetic fields interact that's uh, how things interact with a magnetic field all right and so the by cutting it and the boat was above the mine, it was cutting the field in such a way that the mine could detect it. Okay. Okay. And it would, the, that would trigger it and it would go off. Mm-hmm. Well, these were much more devastating because you couldn't see them. Like the boats couldn't see them because they yeah. weren't on the surface. Um, so, and also you didn't have to contact it. You could just be over it and it would go off. And the pressure right. wave in the water of an explosion yeah, it would destroy if it was a yeah. submarine would cr- would just crumble the submarine right so or even uh, a boat i mean with a it doesn't do you know it's not like it's kind to the boat either oh no 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 it lifts <laughs> the boat up out of the water uh, so uh one of the alter one of the ways to get around that um uh, and, and it, it it stumped them it stumped the british and others for a while uh the sort of miracle breakthrough that happened was, and these mines, as I, if I remember correctly, were deployed from aircraft. Okay. They'd be dropped, they'd be flown and then dropped from aircraft. And by mistake, uh, a German magnetic mine was, uh, deployed in a, uh, uh, shallow, uh, very shallow bay. Um, where it wasn't supposed to be deployed, but that's where it got deployed. And the the British saw it, realized it was like, oh no! So they like, I guess the guys like stripped everything metal off of them down to their shoes, belt buckles, anything mm-hmm. metal. Yeah, went out and retrieved this mine, brought it in, disassembled it, and you know, disarmed, reverse it, engineered it. Yeah, it figured out what was going on with this thing. They're like, oh, that's why. Okay, that's what they figured out. They were magnetic activated. Oh, and so they started looking into countermeasures. Um, and whether this, whether degaussing came along at the same time or afterwards, degaussing mm-hmm. was a method. Yeah. Um, okay. They, they would either degauss periodically. So when, um, when is de- degaussing or degaussing? Basically demagnetizing. Okay. Uh, if I understand it correctly. Um, it, it was confusing to me. I know growing up, I had the CRT monitor that yeah. I would degauss. And you press the degauss button and it'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah, whoa, yeah, yeah. that was cool. Do it again. <laughs> yeah, do it again, do it again. And but, it's like, no, it's got to charge back up or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes like five minutes at <laughs> yeah, least. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it too. Anyway. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Already yeah. just showing, Matthew. <laughs> I, you know, it's, I, I let it hang out nowadays. So... <laughs> Yeah, degaussing, they would either uh, degauss it in a similar fashion, where mm-hmm. the, and I guess they'd wave wands and have to go over to, like, pretty much... It was like a four... I think I saw it was like a four-day checkpoint, or a four-day process of going through relay stations to degauss the ships. And that would last for a little while, and then they'd have to be degaussed again. Or they would run uh, wires around the hull of the boat. Right. And, and have them there. Almost like, like a, a Faraday cage. Yeah. 
uh, and it would wrap around the boat and they would stay there and they'd run current through it at the right amount to basically negate mm-hmm. uh, the boat's magnetic field. And so it wouldn't show up on like magnetic sensors. It would still be visible to the naked eye and like sonar and like all that, but it, the mines could detect them. But it, you still hadn't guessed what this plane was. No, hell no, no, hold on, okay. but no, no. But I'm looking at degaussing. The purpose of degaussing, according to Google, and I don't even know where it comes from. Uh, I don't even know. It doesn't matter. FAS.org, whatever that means. Anyway, it says degaussing system is installed, is installed aboard ships to reduce the ship's effects on the Earth's magnetic field in order to accomplish this, the change in the Earth's mag- field or about the ship's hull is canceled by controlling the electrical current flowing through the degaussing coils wound in specific locations within the hull. That's, I mean, that's exactly what you described, but that's, I, I don't want to know, I don't want to go further because I don't want to like ruin the surprise, but that's really <laughs> wild that that's the measure you go through to make sure, I mean, it's good because I mean, it's like, I don't want to get blown up. We're oh, yeah. going, it's basically a stealth field uh, against these mines. Well, against magnetic mines, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, they find out that it's magnetically activated. And they're trying to figure out how, how are we going to deal with this thing. In comes the Vickers Wellington bomber. Okay. Okay. The Vickers Wellington bomber. Uh, and I'm not, I'm going to talk only a little bit about it. Uh, it's a twin engine, long range, medium bomber. Okay. That they, that, that's about all I want to say on that, that they repurposed, uh, into a minesweeper. Okay. Tell me more called, about that. Called the Wellington, Wellington DWI. DWI is uh was an acronym for directional wireless interface which was a uh cover story for what was actually happening they took the well the vicar wellington and put a bam basically a bamboo hula hoop mm-hmm. around this thing it is a ring that okay. goes from the nose of the plane out to the wings and then to the tail section right did i say bamboo Balsa. You said bamboo, but... Uh, it, Sorry, balsa. Point is, it's, it's a wooden ring, and that's... It's a wooden ring, and inside of it, they ran an a uh, aluminum, basically, bus bar. Okay, right. Okay? Right. And in the bomber, they took out all its armaments, all the extra stuff, and they mm-hmm. put, in the first version, a Ford V8 motor. Okay. A Ford V8 diesel motor to run the a generator to power the aluminum coil okay so that it made a magnetic field so it's like a giant transformer coil on one side of the transformer creating a field a magnetic field which is probably a a probably aligned up and down and sharp much like a ship's one would do Mm -hmm. and they would fly this bomber at low altitude 30 to 65 feet above the water surface <laughs> at extra at very low speed slow enough but still fast enough to not be killed but they would fire this ring up 
and fly it over. And they, they'd run um, passes with a couple of them flying side by side, and they'd pass through the area. And the magnetic field that they were putting off through that uh, ring would trigger the mines. Right behind and detonate it. them. Like, a, yeah. as it's going over top. Yeah. It's just like columns of water shooting up past the tail exactly. of the Exactly, yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Boom. All right, all right. We made it past that one. Boom. Yeah. We got so they another had to, one. They Keep had flying fly. faster. Yeah, well, they had to fly slow enough that... <laughs> to trigger. They would actually trigger it, but fast enough that they weren't <laughs> Did, above it when it triggered. Yeah, right? So they didn't get... Uh, I'll call it um, drenched uh, with heavy water. They would have fallen back out of the, they'd fallen out of the sky if they got hit with the, even if it's not a direct punch with the water, even if it was like a splash probably would have been enough to set it way off. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, that's, (laughs) that sounds pretty dangerous. You know, it it has a lot of a remnant look uh, like the front of it kind of looks like the B 61, the black widow. Yeah. So you're um, looking at the pictures of it now. I'm yeah. I, how could you not look at look this plane up? It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of models and a couple of pictures of the first couple of pictures you'll see, and it's it's a you had a very apt description. Yeah. So that that ring that's around <laughs> it, it's a uh, 48 foot diameter loop uh, that they would run that through. Uh, and I was wrong. It, it was fitted with a Ford V8 petrol engine okay um you know we'll we'll have people call us and tell us yeah. like yeah what, you um, know that's wrong <laughs> so there were there were four of the wellington uh it was the mark one a's that were converted okay um to the dwi mark ones uh and then later uh what became the dwi mark two uh were uh i don't see what which designation did it but they basically they made at least 11 other dwi mark twos um which the the mark twos had a uh de Havilland gypsy six engine which okay. allowed for increased power generation for that uh for that coupe or that hoop now, what would that do? Would that allow it to basically fly at either faster speeds or higher altitude? Uh, I don't know. It probably because if they're generating more power, then you're generating a bigger field. So they could either fly higher and still mm-hmm. detonate it or fly at the same altitude and penetrate deeper into the water. Okay. Now, I'm looking at this thing, okay? And uh, there's a couple of pictures of it being built, right? Like, Like the skin is off. Mm-hmm. And this looks like a a wicker basket. Uh, to an extent, but that is that is steel. Or it's it's yeah, it's metal of some sort. So what what's being what you're seeing there is what's called. I'm trying to find the the word. Mm-hmm. Was a geodesic geodesic uh, construction? Uh, okay. Uh, I saw it over here oh a minute God. ago. I think I just found my new favorite plane. Uh, geodesic airframe. I don't have a link to it, uh, but it, it was one of the first or the first to to kind of pilot that construction style, which is why I didn't want to dig too deep into the bomber itself because I've not. Uh, I didn't dig too deep into it. 
Um, Structural components known as geodetics. Okay. These can be connected together to form tight, strong airframe capable of sustaining immense amount of damage. And it, might, it almost literally like a wicker basket. You could kick a wicker basket and it's just sort of like, it, it doesn't care. Yeah. Well, <laughs> for those that are familiar with 3D modeling with meshes. Mm-hmm. That's exactly that. Yeah. Um, and so actually that, that geodesic design did come in as a benefit uh, at least once. Uh, a mine went off under one of these planes and they they weren't out of the way yet mm -hmm. and the water column come up and got them mm. but because of that uh structural design the plane was able to withstand it and keep going withstand the impact mm -hmm. that's a good thing they're able to fly out from that too yeah I, I just imagine like the the immense amount of weight that gets suddenly added to the back half of the plane. And you and I both know that it's a tight balance. And if you're oh, already yeah. at the edge, that's going to make it really hard to fly for a minute. Mm -hmm. So um, the, now this was a British plane, but the British were not the only ones to have this kind of plane later on uh, as the British then began deploying magnetic mines. Uh, the mm -hmm. Germans had their own version. I think there were a few other. There may have been an American version floating around out there. Okay. Um, so it's, it's not so much the plane itself that it was connected to that I was wanting to go over. It's the device itself, the, the mechanism, which is that, oh, yeah. that ring. Well, I mean, it, it turns like what this is actually, in many senses, a pretty remarkable looking plane in general. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And there's a couple unique things about this plane without it having a ring of, of uh, magnetic bomb detection. Um, but that really changes the story. You know what I mean? It becomes uh, quite an interesting, almost like the, was it the Dam Busters? Uh, you know, that story. Uh, there's a couple people who've covered that, um, where they bounce the bomb, skim it across the water to hit the, bomb, uh, the dam to bust it. Oh, I hadn't heard any of those. Oh, I, I'll send you a link to some some stuff. But I know uh, some of the flight test guys went through it. And uh, the guy who writes a lot of the articles, he's got a channel. He he tried to make one. Mm -hmm. uh, and it did. It you know bounced across the water. But they, they had a whole thing, their sighting mechanism to make sure they're flying at the right elevation. Because you had to – it was it was one of those ones. Again, this is the same kind of story. We're like, to get this right, <laughs> mm -hmm. it's going to be – okay, you're going to have to fly at night. You're, you can't have any lights or anything, any navigation, anything. They can't know you're coming other than to hear you. And the only way they could tell, like, what elevation they were at above the water was two diagonal lights. And when the lights would come together, they were at the right elevation. And so they'd be looking at this, like, pinpoint of light in front of them, like, just in front of them, as they come down this the river, uh, storing this bomb that spins. And they're like, okay, we're close enough. Start the spin. And they have a motor that would spin it. And then they would release it. And the spin would be like a spinning barrel. And it would literally bounce along the water and hit the... Because it couldn't hit at the water edge because the explosion wouldn't work. It had to be just above the water. So it would be bouncing so that when it hit the dam, it would explode there. The, the, the impact of it hitting the dam yeah. would set it off. But in the meantime, like, you know, this dam is heavily fortified. There's turrets across the top with machine guns and cannons and, air, and aircraft and all sorts of, you know, and they're trying to get in underneath all that. And <laughs> same kind of story where you're like, wait, you're doing what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the nerves right over the some water of these guys. Blow stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. That's awesome. 
Okay. Good, good pick, sir. Well, hopefully you enjoyed that, Matthew, and hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, I hope our listeners enjoyed it as much as I did. That was awesome. This is the it's kind of just, point I like. It's different. And mm-hmm. when it got brought up, like, yeah, the plane, but the, the mechanism is like, man, like, even today, you'd like, man, that's some science fiction stuff right there. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, there, there was a lot of science fiction going on in the war. Mm-hmm. For sure. Again, you know, like I was talking about the last time with, you know, the rocket powered uh, flying wing, you're all of a sudden you're going almost Mach 1. You're, you're going at speeds that are almost twice what's out there. Yeah. I can't even imagine what that's like while you're trying to, you know, trying to do your mission and all of a sudden the enemy comes at you twice as fast as you can think about going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like what? Uh, anyway, just, you just kind of, I don't know. He's like, they, they just met aliens, I think. <laughs> and much like this, you're like, I don't know how they figured it out. <laughs> They're using voodoo. <laughs> nice. Well, thanks, bud. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Ooh, all right. Well, we'll need to look uh, look for a couple models. I'm sure somebody's done the Vickers uh, in foam, and I'm sure I'm definitely certain that somebody's done a couple of these in in balsa. Um, so I'll see if I can post a couple links uh, for you guys to look at and uh, see if it's something you want to try. Um, maybe maybe you can make your own little magnetic mines with firecrackers <laughs> and fly this thing over some water and see if you can set it off, I guess. I mean, that would be If you do, please send us video. <laughs> or, or even if YouTube has somebody who's tried it. I want to see it. I've well, never seen RC version. I feel like that would be problematic at this point. Oh, I'm sure. Because. It'd be awful. Well, well, we're flying electric planes. Yeah. Imagine how that magnetic field would interfere with the radio reception and servo control and all that. Uh, who knows? There's only one way to find out. Somebody try it and let us know. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's maybe one of those things that doesn't scale. You know what I mean? But yeah. we'll see. Um, uh, I'm sure we'll, somebody, hopefully, if you're a listener who knows something about this and can tell us, what probability it is that somebody could, one of us could build a scale model that works? Uh, chime in, give us a give us a, an email and let us know what you think, or meet us on Discord and tell us at the next build night. <laughs> I'd love to hear it. Cool. I guess that brings us to our main topic. <clears throat> yeah, go for it. That would be Express LRS, uh, Express uh, Long Range. And I didn't write it down. Systems? I don't think it's systems, but it probably is, because that's the simplest and easiest thing. Uh, I'll look it up in a second here. Um, and it's basically, I'll call it the, the new protocol in town, but it's not really new. Um, it's been out since March, I think. Um, but as it's gone from uh, something that somebody did, you know, in in they made a one-off or a couple off people tried it said, Oh, this actually works really well. Um, it is basically, it uses the crossfire protocol and it's supported by open TX and beta flight. And, uh, and it uses the, uh, LoRa modulation, uh, radio modulation for LoRa as a uh, long range. Uh, and, uh, and it's using a couple different methods to basically increase. It increases the range. And it also decreases the latency. 
So it's like a double winner. Um, but it's, I mean, it's not all roses, but it's pretty impressive. And that's why it's kind of taken this, the people who suddenly give it a try and are like, wait, 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 uh, we can go how far? 2.4 gigahertz. Everybody says you can only go about like a mile, mile and a half. That's all you could ever think about, which mm-hmm. is like what, three, two, two and a half, three kilometers. And everybody's like, yeah, that's a, that's all you'll ever get. I mean, just the way this wavelength is, this is how it's going to be. Um, well, the way the antenna, I guess, is situated and the protocol is set up and the power structure. So what it is, basically really low uh, power requirements to send a wavelength of really good distance. Um, and we'll talk about the, the how far um, and the latency in just a minute here. Um, so, so the pluses to this system. I'm going to go over the pluses. I'm going to go over some minuses. Uh, and I just want you to be aware that it's out there. So a lot of us seem to have moved. If you were on the old Tyrannus system uh, and you have like a 9XD or uh, what is a QX, a Q7, I think is the latest version of that that had OpenTX. It, you know, everybody's moved who either has that. It seems like a lot of the community has moved to uh, Jumper T16s or I even have a multi-protocol module that still has, it doesn't have OpenTX, but it's got something similar, uh, the Jumper T8. Um, but, uh, there's a radio masters, which have broken off and they all run that same protocol, right? They all, um, run open TX and they all have a module bay in the back for an FR sky module or whatever. Um, and it allows you to kind of swap out one radio systems hardware for a different radio, uh, systems hardware, um, before the four in one chip, that was pretty much the only way you could basically, use more than one um, one manufacturer's radio system, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I'm, I've got a radio system here that I'm showing Joe, and this is actually the FR Sky uh, R9M, okay? And that's the long-range module that basically Crossfire has been in this game for a long time for long-range. They run on 900 megahertz, and and so it can go for you know, 10 miles, 30 miles, okay? Um, and, of course, you know, the further away, the longer the latency and the... Um, 900... Then, I thought, I thought uh, your chart here has crossfire at 50 hertz. Where, where, are you, where are you looking? That's different. We'll okay. get into that in a second. It's a 900, 900 megahertz radio length system. So, right, oh, we run okay. two, 2.4 gigahertz. Right. I got if you. you want long range, you do 1.2 gigahertz or 900 megahertz, right? So, basically, or 433. So, as you're doing kind of like half wavelength steps, you are increasing the length of the wave, and therefore it has further distance per trough and further penetration. So, you can go further the lower the, the wavelength, okay? Um, but you... I guess there's some trade-offs. I don't know radio that well, so I'm not. I'm going to stop talking out my back end on that part. <laughs> um, but basically, so uh, what? The, one of the pluses is this thing has low latency, which means that instead of sending a packet, and let's see, Crossfire sends packets uh, at 50 hertz. That's 50 times every second. 50, yeah, 50 times a second. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that was like the best. Now you could up, 
update and upgrade the Crossfire and the max you could send packets out at 150 hertz. Now, that was like the gold standard, and everybody's like, dude, it's rock solid. It's not going anywhere. And, and it's not it's not a bad system at all. Um, but the packet lengths and, and the way Crossfire Protocol sends things out, the actual like module, it um, it's a longer packet, right? It, it, it actually sends out more information for longer. And that time means that's how long it's got to take to send out another packet. Right. Right. So that's where your latency gets down as low as maybe 150 hertz. Now, this new Express LRS has found a way, and we'll talk about it, that basically you can change that. Now it's it's base at 900 megahertz frequency can send out packets at 200 hertz, so 200 times a second. And and as much as with the 2.4 gigahertz frequency, it can send it up as much as 500 hertz or even uh, 1 megahertz, 1,000 1, hertz. So it can send out packets with incredible frequency, which means which means that your controls are going to be tighter, right? You're, okay. you're playing, even though it's really far away, it's getting more information. Even if it misses some, you're going to, even if you miss three, you're going to get the fourth one at the same time you would, at like half the time you would get like a crossfire packet. Right. So even if you miss a couple, it's okay. You're still getting such response rate that you probably won't even notice it. And I think, mm-hmm. and so what you end up having is more packets per time, which means faster responses. And if you're a racer, you're going to notice, um, you know, and, and at this point, you're almost at the point where you may not even be able to, I, I guess you'll be able to tell, cause you can tell how, like, as you're flying, how your craft is responding, whether or not you're seeing that response, even through the very, I mean, we're talking microseconds of delay through the video system. You're really almost like your reactionary no time. seconds. Right. Um, I don't know. It's It all stacks up to be the differences are tiny. Yeah. Um, and so this would probably just feel better, and that's probably all you would notice. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, this is more responsive. Which, again, in a race, that might make a big difference. Um, the bigger the latency, the worse it is. Now, if you're flying pretty far away, um, that latency gets higher and higher and higher as packets gets dropped. Um, so the more packets you send, the more responsive it'll feel. Okay. Okay. Um, and so what you're looking at is the, the actual, uh, th- this chart here basically shows like the total latency. Um, as you increase in, in let's say just 2.4 gigahertz, as you increase the refresh rate of the signal going out from 150 Hertz, the delay is somewhere around 12 seconds, 12 milliseconds or is it microseconds ms that's milliseconds milliseconds so i thought My, micro would be the mu ah right thank you uh, gotcha. good old greeks um and then crossfire is at 11 at 150 hertz then uh when you get the express lrs uh at 250 gigahertz it's down to three seconds a little bit under no that's 7.8 seconds i'm sorry it's smaller and then express lrs at 500 hertz a second it's it's down to five milliseconds. So that's a third. You're getting three packets sent out in the same time as the best that you know Crossfire could offer, which is some of the best that's out on the market before mm. Express LRS. Okay. So when people started seeing this, they're like, "Whoa, what the heck?" Um, and I believe 
uh, Happy Model uh, paired up with these guys to start creating the product. And then now the, the exciting, the other exciting part about this is this is open source, right? So it's not proprietary. It's not secret. Anybody who makes a module, their stuff will talk to anybody else's art or receiver, right? So if you don't okay. like the one receiver, you can buy it from a different guy. Now, the only difference is, is, is their tolerances. Are they going to meet the specs well enough to be, have a reliable product? Right. Right. And that's really what you're going to be comparing. Like, do I buy a product from somebody I know and I trust who's going to put together a good quality product? It may be more versus something that's just cheap and I bet it'll probably work and it'll be fine. <laughs> and that's kind of, that sums up almost all of RC and a lot of other things. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's something you want to look at, like, <clears throat> you know, certain brands get a reputation for they just put something together and they put out because they want to see what sticks the quality control is not as good as some other companies, you know? Uh, I don't know who they are. I just know that it seems to be that's just the way it is. So um, be on the lookout for that. Uh, if you know somebody who's heavy into this, ask them what they'd rely upon, you know? And then they'll tell you the makers to steer clear from or some of the makers just, just or you know, these guys will steer you right. You know what I mean? Um, okay. So now the next thing is range, Right. So that was the other big plus when they started going, no, you can go really far, right? At 200, 2.4 gigahertz range on one or on 10 milliwatts of power, or sorry, a hundred milliwatts of power. You can, uh, some of the guys at the, at the 500 Hertz refresh rate would, were going out to 33 kilometers, Oof. which is like 20 miles, mm. I think. 20, 23 miles or something like that. Um, and then they would, I think at that point they were actually hitting a fail safe. Um, or no, no, that's what it was. Their, their video systems were going out. Their video okay. systems weren't able to go that far. And now, you know, they were high up. They were, it was all clear air to air, no obstructions, yeah, yeah. any of that stuff. Um, as you get obstructions and as you get things, it, it obviously reduces range significantly. So if you're a quad flyer and you're going behind buildings and doing some crazy stuff, this just means that your signal will be better for longer. You know, the deeper you get into whatever bando you're in or whatever. But what, what a lot of the guys say that basically normally you'd have to be careful where your signals were and where they're bouncing. Um, and you couldn't really get too far into a building. You'd have to make sure to be very careful as to like, where's the clear spots and where they weren't right. Um, otherwise you might lose your quad, right? Cause it would, it would lose control. Um, whereas with this system, if you were in the in the abandoned building, they call the bando, um, you would be okay as long as you're not going to like the building behind it. You know, as long as you're not flying in there, you'd be okay. So it extends the even though it's like not really extending the range, it's still pretty close. Um, it's still in, you know it's still more penetration than the standard uh, control system, still a standard radio system. Um, and then 900 megahertz, which is traditionally what we would call long range, uh, in, in the hobby, uh, they, they hit 33 kilometers in stride and their video system went out and that was it. Um, a, a lot of times if you're doing like long range in mountains and stuff like that, where you're looking to fly over the mountain and, <laughs> and go around the ridge and all that stuff, like, well, you're going to want none, even though they both go that same distance the 900 megahertz because it's a longer wavelength will have better penetration 
and it, it will and now the the update rate won't necessarily be as good so it may mm-hmm. not be as responsive but it'll still be better than what you've had um up till now and what we basically get better penetration so if you know you're going to be doing long range stuff and you want to make sure you continue to keep decent signal um you're going to still want to keep with 900 megahertz but you'd be surprised at how far the 2.4 gigahertz goes um now the output power on some of these modules can go up to one watt. Um, now, which I, ask you I don't know that. that that's legal. Okay. According to the FCC, I don't know. <laughs> that's uh, what I want. I'm going to say consult your your local regulations um, for radio power. Um, I think one watt is the max oh. you can do before you get. Um, uh, you're basically uh, a ham radio license. Oh wait, I thought. That's what I was going to say is you maybe it was the ham radio license or the amateur radio license that let you go up to the one watt. And, and it may be. I, again, it's been I, a while I since we talked about that. I will lean back on that disclaimer of please consult your local radio guidelines <laughs> for maximum requirements. And if you need a ham radio license, please fly responsibly. Make sure. And a lot of that is just making sure you understand when you do these things where you're saying, I'm going to fly one watt screw all this other stuff um it it, it lets you know like what you're stomping on you know if you mm. understand how radios work when you do one watt it's saying like yeah um you may be stomping on like emergency services so you may want to keep that to a minimum um, yeah. a lot of these things where well, they won't be omnidirectional they'll have it set up with a yagi which is basically a directional antenna and the the more reflections in the Yagi, which is basically the more the the rings or the loops, the more directional it is. And so the tighter the beam, which means the further it goes, but you can't go much further. You know, you can't go side to side. You can just go along the line that it's pointing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, anyway, so that's one way to take the same power or lower power rating and have similar penetration, similar distances. Um so the cool, and this is the other thing, this is what um, quadcopter pilots are really excited about. Um, the receiver units are tiny. And now think of like a, a regular flight board, flight controllers, 30 by 30, which is probably millimeters. 30 by 30 millimeters, right? Okay. Which is about maybe what, twice the width of a six channel receiver? ish yeah Yeah, like put two of them side by side that's about the size of a flight controller the really small like mini quad copters are usually 20 by 20 these receivers are 10 millimeter by 10 millimeter jeez and the antenna so the cool part is is there's a little they have two different styles uh, two different styles of antenna one of them is this little ceramic block that they have like a copper wire kind of wound in a spiral up the outside of it and it's maybe like two millimeter by two millimeter by maybe three. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's not big. And so the thing is, is everybody's like, wait a second. We don't have to have an antenna flopping around to get sucked up into a prop and then I'm done for the day. And it still like penetrates and does all the fun stuff that we like to do. It penetrates out as far as we normally would fly. This changes everything. Like This is amazing. Right, or you can still. There's another version who still does the the T antenna, where it, but it's smaller. It's two and a half times smaller than the traditional, like the antenna you traditionally have to use for like 900 megahertz or 
or that kind of range that you're getting. Mm-hmm. So it, it's still it's still better than it was, you know. Um, so basically, they have three different kinds of receiver unit styles, and I wanted to cover this because that was one of the big questions I didn't understand. Like you say, hey, I want to order, I want to order Express RLS. And I'm like, okay, cool. Here, here's your module. Uh, what receiver do you want with it? I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, do you want PP, EP1, or EP2? I don't know. Do they talk to each other? <laughs> you know, like, I want to know right. that they're going to work. Um, and it turns out that um, the, the differences are the antenna and the processor. So uh, on the PP, ELRS PP, it's called the PP for power pellet, like uh, Pac-Man. Oh, okay. Um, and it runs on the STM32 chip, which um, it, it has a little bit less power, um, but it's really fast. And so that's like the lowest latency one, but it also uses, um, we'll get into the one of the minuses, um, the protocol it uses kind of has less information that it sends through, um, but it's super fast. The only problem with that chip is it's really hard to get with the global pandemic. Like it's the one that's like causing everything to skyrocket. Like nobody can get a hold of this chip, right? No, uh, yeah, yeah. Because if I remember correctly, the STM32 is a pretty popular chip. Yes. Uh, yeah, I imagine it is. If it's hard to get, and it must be on everything. <laughs> you know. Um, so, so this, so the ELRSPP, the it's tiny. It has a ceramic antenna. It has this uh, very low power, um, very fast processor unit. And again, I'm very, very fast in that. The way it processes its packets and stuff like that um, make it really, really efficient, I guess. Uh, is probably the best, best way to put it is what I'm saying, I guess. Um, then the other two units, the EP1s and the EP2, are they use the ESP8285 processor unit. And that unit, the neat thing about that is it has Wi-Fi on board, which means you can connect to your Wi-Fi and update it through Wi-Fi. Like you can update the har- the firmware on the receiver. On the receiver, you can do it through the antenna like normally, but you could also do it through your Wi-Fi. Like you just like dump it to it, and you, and you could also set your settings. Like you change your settings, you do more things that way. Now I don't think it's an entirely enabled yet, but they have that in mind, and it's coming. Like it's as they develop it and continue to push more features out especially as quadcopter pilots are demanding more from these boards. Like, this is amazing. I want more. And they're like, I know you can do it. And they're like, well, we're figuring it out. Um, it's one of the features that's there. And it, this is so tiny. Anyway, it's, it's amazing me how tiny it is. So anyway, uh, EP1, the, the difference between EP1 and EP2 is the antenna, right? Mm-hmm. Both of them have the same process. They both have the Wi-Fi. Uh, the EP1 has the T antenna. So it's a long antenna with a T top. Um, and I think it's like a quarter wavelength uh, for 2.4 gigahertz, which means it's not very, very big at all. And that is ideal for if you're flying a wing or you're flying a plane and you can kind of stick it out in the wing and let it just be out there, put it on a stick or whatever. Um, a lot of quadcopter pilots are try to shy away from that. Right now, they basically kind of strap it to one of the arms and hope it doesn't get sucked up into the prop, <laughs> which it always does on a crash if it goes wrong and they just keep a couple extra <laughs> antennas, I guess. Jeez. Um, 
Yeah. So, but when they see the ceramic one, which is what the EP2 is, it has a ceramic antenna. They're like, I'll take that, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and usually with the EP2, like, they're not going to get as be- as good a range, I don't think. Um, but you're, the trade-off is you don't have a, an antenna that's going to get damaged in any way. Like, it's tucked away. It's inside of whatever you've got, and there's nothing that could hurt it, really. I mean, you'd have to... You'd have to really take a hard crash and put it on the surface. Yeah. Which you're probably not going to do. So um, with the EP1 and that T antenna, it's connected with an IPEX4 connector, which is a pretty popular connector for most antennas. So you should be able to get replacement antennas pretty simply and easily. Um, So let's see. I went through what the differences are, which is basically um, the antenna style. The range you're going to get from that based on the antenna the latency you're going to get, uh, the EP's latency is going to be higher. I mean, by a little bit. Um, and it has Wi-Fi. But uh, right now, trying to order a P- ELRSPP power pellet is going to be very hard. Um, so you may be kind of relegated to an EP1 or EP2. Um, let's see. Compatibility. Um, if the build in your, your box that sits on your transmitter is a one point something. And the firmware that's on your art receiver chip is one point something, whatever build they are. If they're both on that same major build number, they will talk to anyone that's out there that has the same level of firmware. And then once they go to a major revision, two, as long as both are a two something, they will talk. Okay. So, so, and that's one of the, and that's, we'll get into, that's bring up one of the downsides, which isn't a downside for everybody, but you got to be a little bit more tech savvy. All right. So, so talk me through if I was going to get my radio master <laughs> yep. up and running with this and you know, the state of my radio master. Yeah. Dang good. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, but <laughs> no, but, it's, it's generally like most, you know, most people use their stuff. It's you don't have, you don't have a ton going on in there. Yeah. So, so what would I, but what I mean is, you know, that like it's fairly recently updated as of like, mm-hmm. I don't know, yeah. a year ago. So oh. like what, <laughs> yeah, what would what you need to do? Would I, yeah. What would I have to do to run ELRS on it? Well, you need to update your open TX to, I think a five point or 4.3. Okay, okay close. that's that's where ELL, ELRS is being included in the in the OpenTX open software firmware, yeah, firmware. in the software, yeah, yeah exactly. And and okay. as long as it's updated to that, I think there's if you go on the ELRS uh, GitHub page or so they're frequently asked questions, they'll explain exactly which version. And I of course I've di- dipped out of that page because I was looking at the Vickers. Like <laughs> 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 I don't know, I don't know where it is right now. Um, and I didn't, I didn't write that. I don't think I wrote that specific thing down. Maybe, maybe it's in some of this okay. other piece. So, but basically if you're in some of the later builds of OpenTX, it will include the ELRS um, base in it so that when you buy a module and a receiver that goes with that module, you can plug it in. It will recognize what's going on. And I think then you have to load your Lewis script which is basically like a little program within OpenTX that loads all the features and allows you to get in and change the features. So you can change, 
And that, that's how I was talking about. You've got these different um, 500 hertz refresh rates. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can change that. You manually go in to the Lua script and change how fast you want to send these out. Because when okay. you change those rates, what uh, and we'll get into the downside of what you're doing is changing your packet length. Right. And you're changing how, what information it's allowing to get passed through. And what you're doing is you're losing button functionality or switch functionality. So let me, let me see. Before we go through, let me finish up what I was going to talk about with the last okay. piece of the receivers. The cool part about it is if you have the R9M, you can reflash this thing you already own that may or may not be obsolete to you. And you can increase the range by tenfold and change the refresh rate on it. You can use the same hardware that's in this thing. And the R9M being the FR Sky. The FR Sky module. R9M 900 megahertz module. Okay. And you can basically update it with this new firmware and it will be ELRS. And you can even do the same thing for your receivers as well. And one of the things that's neat about this is you set a pass code. And as long as it's not the same as anybody else who's out there, which, I mean, I don't know, you put it as your handle and that should be enough. Like for me, I'll set it all as Foamy DM. And I doubt anybody out else Thank out of the field. You. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can go in and mess with me if you want. <laughs> um, but I find it to be very unlikely that my passcode will be, you know, you'll probably have yours as whatever goose or whatever you're going to make it. Um, maybe make it as I love cats. I don't know, you know, but whatever it is, it's yours. And then every receiver has that passcode. As long as it's powered up, they'll see each other and say, oh, okay, you're, you're, you're like me. Okay, we're good. And as long mm-hmm. as it's not hearing something from somebody who has a different passcode, you know, it's like it ignores those. And all okay, so, all they, looks so they don't, they, they bind on the passcode, not on a binding process. Exactly. And which is okay. essentially what a, a binding, the binding process is effectively a bind code. Just, yeah. it's not well, actually it, written out, but they, they effectively do that. In that case, I got to get receiver memory going with my transmitter. I hadn't figured that out yet. Um, it would be in the ELRS, ELRS receivers. Like it's in there already. Like you. No, no, no. I mean, on my on my transmitter with my other receivers, I hadn't gotten uh, receiver memory. Oh, okay. Like where where I switch my plane and it switches the receiver and it just pairs right up. I have to rebind every time I switch planes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and it may you still may need to do that with the other ones. But this one would be using this module. It sends out a passcode. It talks to the receiver that's powered up saying, yep, I'm the same passcode, and you don't have to worry about them. And you mm-hmm. may still have to rebind the other ones, but but this would be fine. Yeah, you probably should because that will make it simpler. <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> it's just something I hadn't figured out yet. No. That's good. I, yeah, and it's, it, you know, you know there's tutorials out there, and when you get a need for it, you'll go do it. Yeah. Um, let's see. There's light versions. So if you have one of those gamer pad uh, style transmitters, they have like thin slim versions or light. So they're, mm-hmm. they're thinner and they fit in that, that slot in those. And so that's really the only difference with those is that they fit those gamer style transmitters. Um, all right, let's see. I already indicated the, the receivers will work as long as they're the same, like, like 900 megahertz works with 900 megahertz, 200, 2.4 gigahertz works with 2.4. You can't mix the two. Two okay. So they're not going to. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. Um, but I already talked that basically if you have a 900 megahertz re- uh, transmitter, it doesn't matter what receiver you have. As long as it's running ELRS with the same wavelength, 
you're good. They will talk. Okay. Which is pretty cool. So that leaves a lot of functionality um, and versatility for a fleet, right? Um, and then the big thing is like how many channels does it support? It's great for quads because quads don't need a ton of channels to pass through information-wise. Um, but they always basically start with four full-resolution channels for sticks one through four. And then they basically limit, depending on which mode you're going to do, uh, like how small the packets you're going to send out, it'll it'll limit. Now, maybe in our show notes we can summarize this, but I'm going to talk through it really quick, and then we'll, we'll move down to the downsides. Yeah, go for it. Uh, the standard mode has four two-position channels uh, sent for every frame, and you can increase it to eight in 1.0, and it uh, you could, it gets dropped in 2.0, like the 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 versions, the 1.0 version or the two. So that might be a reason why you drop back to the 1.0 ELRS firmware, is because okay. you want a different uh, amount of channels that get sent out. Or you can do hybrid switches, uh, hybrid switches eight mode, which is one two position channel, aux one, um, channel five is set for arming. Um, then six times six switches that are two position, three position, or six position, and they're set as aux one, uh, aux two through seven, um, and then one sixteen position auxiliary switch, which I guess would be a pot, a potential. Yeah, I was about to say who has a sixteen? Oh, a pot. Yeah, potential. Gotcha. Right, and then the six position. What six position? Well, if you notice the six buttons on the top of your transmitter uh, for the radio master, uh, that's this, a six. That's position. a six position switch. And you what? click on one. I mean, you can configure it that way. How about that? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's not, you can switch it however you want. But when you click on one, you click the next one over, the other one turns off, right? So essentially yeah. you're having a six set, six position toggle. Okay. Is effectively what it's set up as. You yeah, can I change that. I haven't for those yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And me neither. I haven't figured that out either. I'm sure there's a great thing, but it will, that'll be a different day. Um, and then wide hybrid mode, which is, uh, on top of those four basic channels, it's one two-position channel, which is aux one, and that's going to be like channel five, which is going to be your arming and disarm, right, for mm-hmm. a quad or for anything, really. Um, and then you have seven sixty-four or one twenty-eight position channels, and that'll be auxiliary two through eight, and then you'll basically be able to go in through Lewis script and and figure all that stuff out. And those are clearly pure potentiometers. Those are those sliders on either side of your or the back yeah. of your transmitter, they're the potentiometer knobs, you know. Um, maybe, maybe they're they're combined switches or combined. Uh, what are those called? Um, like the script things where you say, "Oh, well, if this switch is doing that, and the potentiometer is doing, I've got a bunch of different, you know, gradients." No, okay, yeah. Like my throttle is combined with uh, a slider. So it essentially changes this and that with the throttle position. So, okay, you set that the oh. throttle position makes an auxiliary eight effectively become a pure slider. So you want 128 positions. Matthew. Yes. I I could use a switch to kick in afterburner. <laughs> Just limit my maximum throttle to 75%. But then yeah. when you throw a switch, it goes to 100%. <laughs> you need to do that with your 6S. You make a 6S Ooh. plane, and then it flies like a 4S <laughs> up until you hit that switch. <laughs> I'm sorry. You just you were saying that. Oh, that's like, Ooh. perfect. Ooh. So you can tell that basically there's a lot more information, 
as you go down the modes, right? Mm-hmm. And so your packet length in the standard mode is going to be tiny. Hybrid switch eight mode is going to be the medium level and then wide hybrid mode. Now, it depends on how you set your thing up and what switches you need. Me, I don't think I need more than a couple two-position or whatever switches. I don't care. I need on-off, high, low, you know, pretty basic. Uh, Gear up, down, flaps, yes. Or no, you know, like, okay, we're good. So standard mode might work for you with quadcopters. That might be all you need to make a couple you know, switch combinations and that works. Now the downside is this has to be connected to a flight controller because it's, there's four channels. There's a, and so it supports telemetry. So it has a receiving and a transmitting okay. uh, and that goes in and out of the flight controller. And of course they, that helps control the channels. That's actually all the information packets. And then it disseminates that and then passes it to your control surfaces, your motors, or, or whatever. And then, of course, it's got power, you know, power and ground. Um, but, I mean, the other downside is you've got to be familiar and comfortable with flashing firmware to your hardware. Yeah. You know, and that's a process that not everybody is familiar with, wants to even think about doing. What do you mean I have to erase this and overwrite it with something? What if I bust, mess it up, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, something that a lot of people concern themselves with. But this is when you're near the cutting edge, which is what this is. Um, I guess it's the price of progress, right? I'm sure at a point it'll be all old hat and it'll all be just stuff that you do in the OpenTX, um, you know, uh, interface. Yeah, as it all gets figured out and people, people work on more... Uh efficient and friendly ways to interact with it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and again, as it becomes more more uh, popular and robust, yeah, it's going to be used for different things. Um, the cool part is it can be used for, um, it's designed to work with a flight controller, so it can really be used with like any type of craft, but like that also limits kind of how you use it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, like one of the pluses is the bind phrase because it just talks, right? The bad news is it's got a bind phrase, and if somebody, I guess, wants to be a jerk and figure out your bind phrase, uh, they could really mess with you with, like, their transmitter. Oh, check this out. I don't know. You know? I suppose it's a downside. So it seems like the downside, and maybe the downsides are limited information is what you're trading for um, for speed, for the refresh rate. Speed and range, yeah. Yeah, for speed and range. Exactly. So, I mean... It seems right now like it's a winner, winner, chicken dinner for anybody who wants to try it. But uh, it's also new and it changes fast. And in a month, it may be obsolete. <laughs> True. Right now, we don't know. It, it hasn't stead, stood the test of time, right? So um, anyway, so that's Express ELRS as best as I could describe it to you. And I hope that helped you understand what it is because you'll notice like right now there's – if you go to any like quadcopter videos, anybody who does those, they'll have at least two or three videos on Express ELRS. Uh, you go to Josh Bardwell. Uh, I'm going to promote a couple people that I just happen to watch. Uh, Curie Kitten, um, Painless 360, uh, Andy RC. Those are all quadcopter guys. And any like Nurk and, and Botgrinder and those kind of like uh, DRL racers, drone racing league racers. Like they've mm-hmm. got their own channels and they're like, yeah, they're involved in this too. So they're, they're excited about it, but they're all like, well, you know, there's some trade-offs. 
Yeah. Uh, but if you're long range, but I think most of, of everybody who's doing that kind of stuff is like, no, it gives us more freedom to do the things we want to do. And ultimately, I think that this might be something that will help everybody. Okay. We'll show some links in, uh, in our show notes for sure. So you can check more information out on your, uh, for yourself. We'll see if we can put some uh, plain plans for the Vickers. If you want to build one of your own and try to put a bamboo ring on it. Balsa. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, right. Balsa ring. I appreciate that throwback, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I guess that brings us, uh, if that's it, uh, then I guess that brings us to what are we going to be doing in the next couple of weeks? Uh, well, I'm going to be finishing up this glider, uh, mm-hmm. hopefully. Yep. And then mm-hmm. hopefully Saturday, yeah, we'll come down. Together. Yeah, we'll be maidening it. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. And that's sort of. That's sort of the only thing I'm thinking about right now, hobby-wise, is getting that getting that working. Because even once it's done, then I've got to go back in and, well, I've got, well, I've started putting plans into, uh, I know this program is right here somewhere, Inkscape. Yep. Um, there, there's, I, I got more to do. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you wanted to eventually be a, a laser cut kit at least has to have like, yeah, I have a plan. Even if you took a picture of the plans and had that with the submissions, like if you drew something out and said, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and be like, I'm going to make a digital version soon. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think, I mean, it, it shows them that you have the understanding how to rebuild it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and we can all work from there. Well, good. What about you? who uh, I'm going to be building like a mad fool. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, so build Rory is upon us. Um, as we finish this up, I don't know what time it is. Cause all the clocks are 1151, which means when we finish this up, it is build Rory, baby. Yep. Yeah. Uh, depending on how quickly we wrap this up. Exactly. So I'll be building the quickie. I'll be building the hangar RC's uh, wasp. Uh, I may be rebuilding the marabou I may also be going for something very, 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 very simple. Uh, maybe another walk behind glider with a different motor system or something. Um, or some making it somehow lighter with some of those bags. Um, I know I'm going to be flying more of the Tiny Hawk 2 freestyle quad. Um, mm. Like I did today. Um, and I know there's one more plane in there that I could have built somehow this month. Uh, but this in the next two weeks, uh, it'll be the, the mer- it'll be the, It'll be the quickie and it'll be the hangar RC's wasp. Okay. <sighs> that was uh, a lot of information this episode. Yeah. I just, it, there's a lot of detail in it because uh, it's not just your average, you know, receiver and transmitter. Mm-hmm. And there's, I just mean all around too. Yeah, man. So, yeah, yeah. You, you're trying to talk to us about magnetic fields. I thought we were well, going to get a lesson, and if you put enough power in it, it generates this much magnetic field per power power unit. Yeah. Anyway, it's, anything else? No, that's all I got for now. Uh, be on the lookout for build night and announcements. They'll be okay. coming. 
let's work on getting out of here guys as always thank you for tuning in and listening hopefully you've enjoyed this conversation as much as we've enjoyed having it uh feel free to reach out to us via email you reach us reach us at aviationrcnoob at gmail.com or you can reach matthew at matthew at aviationrcnoob.com or me joe at aviationrcnoob.com uh feel free to swing by our facebook page check it out there because that's where we'll be posting announcements for the next build party as well as our discord server i'll have a link to join the Mm -hmm. discord uh in the show notes below um you can give us a five-star review in any of your favorite uh, podcast hosting sites. It helps other people find us. There you go. And feel free to send us uh, send us any pictures of things you got going on. If you're participating in Buildjuary, mm-hmm. uh, certainly join up in the Discord server, but send in pictures of what you've been working on yeah. because we love to see that stuff. Even if you're not, if you're participating in the Hangar RC build-off, send us pictures of what you got because we'd love yeah. to see what you guys are working on. Absolutely. And, and also if you've got, uh, got show ideas, if there's stuff you want, you'd like us to talk about something maybe new that's coming out or something you'd like to hear more about, mm-hmm. let us know. All right. That's it. Matthew, anything else? No, man. That's it. All right. We're going to get out of here, guys. Thanks again. And we'll see y'all next time. All right. See you next time. Eleven fifty-four. Eleven fifty-four. Baby, six minutes and it's time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't know why I do it every year sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) I I know it's it's fun. It's madcap. It's it's I'm always interested to see who manages to make it to the end. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's only a couple. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, End. let's save this. Okay, it has technically flown. It has flown. It's uh, even under control almost. Uh, loosely. Yep. Uh, nope. Oh. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Oof. What else you wrote? You know. All right. Uh. <clears throat> That's it. There you go. Now you've seen it. That's the footage. <laughs> okay. I told you, so yeah, I got footage. It's just not proud. That's as short as one of my flights. Uh, yeah. Well, welcome to most of mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Ready to do this? Yeah, let's do it. Okay.